The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And my guest this hour is Richard Barrington, who's the spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. Welcome to the show, Richard. Well, thank you, Jordan. Glad to be here. Let's just start with a little bit of your background, and uh, before we get into all the different issues, uh, we're going to talk about uh, kind of what your uh, background has been and, and how you got to money rates. Okay, sure. Well, um, I studied communications in English in college, so naturally when I got my degree, I went straight into the investment business. Um, but uh, actually, the story behind that relates somewhat to the current economy. Um, every time they release the latest unemployment figures these days, they describe them as being the highest they've been since the early 1980s. Well, that's when I graduated. Um, and in fact, the last time employment was up over 10% was pretty much my entire senior year of college. So I graduated into a tough job market. I was completely broke, so I had to be resourceful and flexible about looking for a job. And um, after kind of scuffling along for a while, I happened upon a wonderful firm called Manning and the Peer Advisors, and, and really that changed my direction and, and, and changed my life. Um, uh, they're, you know, they're very long-term investors, and that includes how they look at people, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, they kind of look at more my potential than the fact that uh, I'd been in communications and English major. But anyway, I spent the next 23 years there working my way up through the ranks and, and learning a great deal along the way. Um, it also helped that it was a small firm when I joined, managing about a billion dollars on its way to managing about twelve billion, I think, by the time I left. Um, that kind of growth creates opportunity, and I was at the right place at the right time. Uh, along the way, I also earned my chartered financial analyst designation because, as much as I was learning about the Manning and the Peer way of doing things, I also wanted a broader industry perspective on on things. So after more than 20 years of doing that, I needed a break really from the intensity of that environment. So I effectively retired from the investment business. I kind of returned to my roots and did some creative writing, but pretty soon I started doing some freelance business work, uh, uh, you know, just to keep my hand in and feel productive. And that eventually uh, has grown into a consulting relationship with MoneyRates.com. Um, which is a very valuable consumer resource um, focused on, on making banking information from around the country readily available. Very good. So tell us a little bit about MoneyRates.com. Uh, how long has it been around, and what are some of the information people can find out about there? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, MoneyRates, it's a relatively new site, but, but growing. And, and what they do, in essence, is, is um, pretty much continually update rate information from over 200 banking products. So consumers can find it easy to shop and, and compare rates, whether it's saving accounts rates, CD rates, mortgage rates, what, what have you. Along with the raw data, there are also articles and blogs on a variety of topics, 
centered around helping consumers get the most out of their banking relationships. Um, I contribute some of those articles, and that's really why I'm here today to talk about interest rates and, uh, of course, the question that interest rates really depend on, which is whether we're going to have deflation or inflation. So I think to, to you know, in essence, moneyrates.com is if you had a, a good buddy who knew everything there was to know about the banking markets and you wanted both some information on rates and also a little bit of advice to go along with it um, in, in figuring out where to get your mortgage or where to start uh, your savings account, moneyrates.com is that, that hypothetical buddy who knows the banking business inside and out. Terrific. All right, so let's kind of set the scene where we are economically right now. Uh, okay. We've recently had some uh, worse-than-expected unemployment uh, reports. Uh, we've had uh, a stock market that was down the first quarter and up pretty significantly in the second quarter. Uh, we've got short-term rates uh, that are very low, and then the Federal Reserve says they're going to keep them that way for a while. But we've got long-term rates that have risen pretty significantly over the last month or so. So why don't you kind of give an assessment of kind of where we stand economically? Because you see these deflationary forces and you see these potentially inflationary forces at the same time. So how do you kind of evaluate the current situation? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think that's a, that's a, good, uh, that's a good way to, to set the scene is, is that uh, investors, frankly, face a little bit of a dilemma um, because the stock market is still quite volatile. As, as you mentioned, it's had a nice recovery um, over the past several months, but it, it still is, is uh, prone to days like last Thursday when the Dow lost uh, uh, 200 points because of uh, disappointing jobs data. Um, and yet, while the you know while the stock market's a little scary, um, interest rates might seem unappealingly low. Um, and so it's a it's a bit of a puzzle. But the way into solving that puzzle, I think, is that to start by revisiting asset allocation. Um, it, People tend to get too aggressive in bull markets, and they certainly then turned around and panicked out of stocks in the recent bear market. Um, and this might be a good time to sort of reassess things for the, for the long term, because we're sort of in between right now. Um, on a month-end price basis, stocks fell about 53% from their high uh, in late 2007 to their low earlier this year. But as of the end of June, had bounced back about uh, 25%. So with stocks somewhere between their highs and their lows, it's probably a good time to stop reacting to just what happened and look ahead more and revisit a more long-term view of, of a normal asset allocation. Um, that definition of a normal asset allocation is likely to look very different from what was considered normal just a few years ago. Um, I think there's been a real reality check, quite frankly, and so people these days are going to use lower stock return assumptions than they were, um, you know, ten years ago. Um, and that's what would be the correct realistic. assumptions that people should use in allocating their money between the different assets. Yeah, yeah. You know, in in, in the late '90s, when when the, the stock market was was going up, you know, fifteen, twenty, twenty five percent a year, a lot of people baked those kind of returns into their assumptions. And so it was like everything looked great on paper, you know, that, 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 that uh, just put your money in the stock market and you'd retire a multimillionaire. Um, I think there's, you know, the fact that the stock market has basically not made money in, in, in the pa past 10 years has made people revisit uh, those assumptions. Um, 
interest rates at the same time are also much lower. So the bottom line is that people can't count on high returns to do all the heavy lifting in their retirement planning. And so what that means is that people are going to have to save more. And, and that's, you know, that's not a, a catchy or popular piece of advice. It's kind of like, you know, an eat your vegetables um, piece of advice. But, uh, you know, when a person does the math realistically and stops being distracted by get-rich-quick schemes, that's really the conclusion that, that they have to come to is, is that the place this starts is with, uh, is with saving a little more. Which, which people are doing. I mean, the savings rate has definitely come up a bit. But I guess the question remains, if you're saving more mm-hmm. and you're still earning extremely low rates on that savings, are you really getting ahead? <laughs> your T-bill is at zero or money market funds at half of 1% or lower. I mean, it's, it's nice to have the money not declining, but it's not really getting you ahead very much either. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not getting you ahead very quickly, but I think what you have to do... Um, I, I liken it to, to, to use a baseball analogy of playing small ball, okay? Um, and sometimes you just have to do the little things rather than sit around and wait for a three-run home run. And in, in this environment, what that means is that you have to squeeze every point of return you can out of the marketplace because returns and interest rates are, are so hard to, to come by. Um, you know, I mean, it, as you mentioned, the Fed fund, the, sorry, the Federal Reserve um, is kind of committed to keeping rates low. And, you know, on the short end, you can go back 40 and 50 years and not see rates any, any lower than this. But still, there, there are moves you can make to make the best of the situation for, for both the present and, and, and the future. Let, let's talk about some of those moves you could make. Say you want to keep your money completely safe, that you really are uh, psychologically and financially burned by what happened over the last year or so. And you're just, we'll go to other categories later, but for the moment we're in total chicken mode here. And uh-huh. uh, we really don't want to lose principle at all. What, what would be some of your recommendations to where to get uh, the, the, you know, the best kind of yields if you want total safety. And, and, and chicken mode is, is, is definitely the, the kind of where I'm focused, actually, because of, you know, it's, it's, it's the uh, focus of the moneyrace.com site. And, 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 all, and, and I know you use the phrase facetiously, but, but the truth is, is that even if you're not, you know, completely throwing all your money into cash, there's going to be a, a low-risk component of any um, investment portfolio. You may have a diversified portfolio that's got more growth things going on, but you still have to, A, have some component where safety and liquidity um, are the priorities, and B, because returns generally are, are so scarce, you can't neglect to do the best that you can even, on that, even in that you know, low-risk, low-return portion of the portfolio. So... To, to look at that portion of the, the portfolio, uh, you know, the, the one silver lining here is that as low as interest rates are, they, they are actually a little better than they seem because of deflation. Um, according to the, the most recent data, deflation has, has um, reached 1% over the past year, and that's highly unusual. We haven't had deflation over a 12-month period since 1955. And we haven't had this magnitude of deflation since 1950. I think it's considered core deflation, right? I mean, it's excluding food and energy. No, no, no. This is CPI. That, that's the CPI including food and energy, you're saying? That's correct. And I think the latest number was down 1.3% of last year or something right, like that. Right, right, right. Uh, because you, you think, you know, energy went way down, but it's come 
come back up and seems to be going higher, and, and food seems to be going higher to some extent as well. So uh, I guess the classic question is, if you have your money in super safe uh, CDs, money market funds, you know, yielding returns of even generously 2% or below and a lot of it lower than that, and your costs are going up for gasoline, health care, taxes, all kinds of other things we could mention, uh, you know, how, you, how can you, you stay ahead and still keep your money safe? Well, and and I, but I think, I think you know part of part of the the point for the time being, and 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 you know we'll, you know I, I definitely want to talk about why I think there's a uh, um, threat that inflation could bubble back up. But for the time being, in aggregate, and, and again, it's it's inconsistent. It seems like some things are going up, but on the other hand, some things have been slashed drastically. Okay. Um, so you may be paying more for uh, food right now, but I imagine you could get a pretty good deal on a car, okay, for, for right. example, right? So in aggregate, what the CPI is measuring is, is that prices have actually declined over the, the, the past 12 months by a little over 1%. And so that 2% interest rate actually has the same purchasing power of a 3% interest rate of inflation were neutral. And what's, I think, even more eye-opening more of an eye-opener, is that it has the same purchasing power as a 6% or 7% interest rate under normal inflation conditions, which would be when prices were going up 3 or 4% per year, which is kind of typical historically. Okay? So I think, you know, while, while people do have to fight and do everything they can to get the best return, a good starting place because I don't want people to be dismissive of saving accounts rates. Two percent, I know it looks really low, but the truth is, this is a two percent return with one percent deflation is just as good as a six or seven percent um, uh, interest rate when inflation was going up at three or four percent per year. You're right, mathematically, it doesn't feel good psychologically. It doesn't feel good. No, no. I mean, we are we are in an era of diminished expectations. And and you know it 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 is a real paradigm shift. You know, mathematically, psychologically, all the elements that go into to financial planning, um, they've they've really been turned on on their head. Um, but in in terms of the the playing small ball angle of it, you can do significantly better than the average rates by active shopping around. And, and significantly, perhaps, is a relative uh, term, but. The average savings account interest rate, for example, is only 1.64% right now. But looking at our money rates site, I saw several options that were well over 2%. Um, so, you know, there is an opportunity to, to sort of start squeezing a little bit more out of a pretty dry environment. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Richard Barrington, who's the spokesperson for MoneyRates.com, a website that can help you find out about good banking rates of, of all different types. And we're going to discuss the scene further and also how to get the best rates return in this kind of environment. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime. I'm not to listen. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Richard Barrington, who is the spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thank you, George. Uh, let's get a little more specifically. For people who, again, are kind of, as we call them, chicken mode, but who do want to earn some decent returns without having any risk or principal, why don't you go through some of the different options out there? Maybe let's start with CDs mm-hmm. and what kind of things are available and, and what kind of uh, rates and things you can find at MoneyRates.com. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the... the um you know, the the great thing about MoneyRates.com and, and I would say in general, Internet resources and ironically the recent financial crisis have been great equalizers in a sense. They've both led people to broaden out the field of candidates when they think about banks. And the recent boost in FDIC insurance limits to $250,000 has only made this more so. so. So what I'm saying here is that, is that insurance should give people the confidence to consider going something beyond their local banks or even a name that they've been familiar with for years um, and, and really broaden out their search. And, and Internet resources like MoneyRates.com basically lay it all out there um, uh, uh, you know, from high to low uh, so that you can find the, the, um, the account that's, uh, that's, that's right for you. And, and you know, I, I gave an example of, of uh, savings account, but this is true of CDs. It's, true of um, uh, money market accounts as well, that right now there, there is a, a spread, sometimes of as much as 1%, uh, 
um, between the average rate in a category uh, and the, the higher rates that you can get. Um, and, you know, 1% at a time when rates are av- only averaging you know, <laughs> a little over 1%, it's, it's like practically doubling your return. Uh, these from banks that, for whatever reason, want to be aggressive and bring in a lot of deposits so they can loan out a lot of money? Because I mean, one concern I've heard is that the highest-yielding banks on these CD lists are kind of attracting hot money and, you know, can be uh, taking too much risk. I mean, in fact, recently the FDIC uh, closed down, I think it was eight banks over one weekend. A lot of them, you know, kind of these small little banks and small rural communities that had grown huge overnight by by putting out big, uh, you know, much above market CD rates. Is that something people should be concerned about? Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it's important to remember that that the, the CD rate or or you know whatever interest rate it is, whatever type of account, that should be only one factor in your search. But it's it's a good starting place, and you might you know you might not choose the um, the top rate on a on a given list, but it's nice to see the top ten and say okay, where's my comfort level between name, name recognition uh, and high rate. By the same token, though, you know, some of the banks that have had the biggest problems have been those with the greatest name recognition. So I, I think, you know, for, for, for better or worse, um, I think people have learned that, that, that banks, you can't count on, on the same big name brands that you used to either. Um, but the positive side of this, and, and you alluded to it in your question, is that you can't paint the entire ba- banking industry with the same brush, and, and banks are under very different sets of circumstances. And some of them are, are quite healthy and, and, you know, very much open for business. And, and if you think of adding a little bit extra in interest rate um, as a different way of advertising, um, but instead of the money going to an ad agency, it's basically going to the depositor. Yeah. So um, it, are you seeing that today? Are you seeing banks being quite aggressive and putting in you know, way above market rates on CDs in order to attract deposits they can, can lend out, or has or is the, the credit card slowed that down to some extent? I think it's slowed it down. I mean, the the qualified, the thing that, that's making me hesitate is, is when you say way above market rates, is that no? I think I think you're seeing things in a in a range where you might get, um, uh, especially if you're a larger depositor, you might get say um, a full point above average, okay? Um, because a bank is being more uh, aggressive in, in, in trying to um, uh, trying to attract depositors. Um, but again, you know, in this environment, things being what they are, one percent is an extra one percent is nothing to sneeze at. Why don't you give us a sense of the ranges of current yields, say starting the six-month CD, and what the national average is, and what what you can get using money rates? You know, at, at, mm-hmm. how much above the national average that might be? Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, right now for um, uh, and you said six-month CDs. Let's start with six months. Uh huh. Okay. Six-month CDs, um, the, the average of all the products that, that Money Rates tracks right now is 1.45%. Um, there are, um, however, six-month CDs that, that uh, you know, a couple options that are, are just north of uh, uh, 2%, okay? Um, there are several options 
that are in the sort of 1.8 to 2% range. So really, you're, you're talking about a premium of about half a, half a point or so. Okay, and then what happens when you go out to the one-year CD? Six months. I'll also say, though, that that's kind of an upwardly skewed standard to begin with because the average, on the, um, uh, the average of the products on the money rates um, site is significantly higher than what the Federal Reserve reports as being the national average for six-month rates. The Federal Reserve is a lower rate, is that right? Yeah, the Federal Reserve, yeah, that's, that's well south of, of 1%. Um, well, so, there's yeah, if you just, if just looked at, at that data, you'd say, oh, my God, you know, you, there's, there's practically no interest at all. But if you actually start shopping around, you can say, okay, I can, I can pick up a couple percent here. And, and in the context of that deflationary environment, which, which for the time being is, is, is what we've had, um, maybe that 2% isn't so bad. Okay, so let's go out to, say, the one-year CDs, similar kind of spread. Uh, and, and where are some of the banks that are offering the higher? Are these local banks or these Internet banks? What kind of banks are offering the higher yields? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a mix. Uh, one-year CDs are averaging um, uh, right now on our money rate site 1.89%. Um, but there are um, a variety of options in the two and a quarter to two and a half percent um, uh, uh, range. Some of them are internet banks, um, but also I think what you're seeing um, more and more is some um, regional banks um, uh, starting to, to um, kind of rebrand themselves or use the internet um, uh, as a way of, of expanding their horizon. And in fact, I've seen uh, a few instances of, of actual name changes um, uh, which reflect this. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to cite one particular example, but just as a general generality, um, if you had the, um, uh, well, I'm, I'm close to Rochester, New York, so I'll just make up a bank, the Rochester Bank and Trust Company. In t today's day and age, they're li you're likely to see them change their name to something much more generic and use the Internet to, to uh, reach a wider audience and not kind of limit themselves by branding themselves as a, as a local bank. So you're seeing more and more of, of, of that. And part of that strategy um, is to uh, get some investor attention by offering higher rates. Would you in general recommend uh, dealing with an Internet bank to be your primary bank? It depends on what you want out of the relationship, okay? Um, you know, a lot of people want to have a, a lot more than that um, out, of a, out of a relationship. Um, they, you know, they, they want a lending relationship, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, they want, in other words, somebody that they can sit down across the desk from and, and, and uh, have them walk them through stuff. Other people, however, it is strictly a... Um, you know, purely financial, not a relationship-driven transaction. And, and so it's, it's kind of like people who do online trading versus having a stockbroker, okay? Um, having an online bank is the same type of thing. If all you are looking for is the best deal quantitatively and you're not interested in the qualitative aspects of the relationship, then, uh, then you know, certainly an, an online uh, banking relationship can make total sense. 
let's go to the five-year. Again, what is the average and what are some of the rates being paid on the higher-yielding CDs there? Okay. Um, and I don't have an actual average for five years, but I can give you some examples of some of the, the higher end of, the, of, of rates. is really centered around 3.5%. Okay. So... Here's the, the, this kind of becomes the conundrum for, for CD investors right now. You can clearly um, earn more yield by moving out in time, okay? And, that's, and that, I think, is, is also it's, it's consistent with where the bond market is at right now. We've got a fairly steep yield curve at the, at, at the short to intermediate end, okay? Um, so there is a real re- reward for moving out a little in, in Time. The question is, um, do you feel confident doing that, given the possibility of inflation mounting a, a comeback? And, and that, to me, is really the, the $64,000 question. So if you were in that position, say your, your mother wanted to earn you know, something more than you know, 0.1% in a savings account or something, yeah. would you have her lock up money for 3.5% for five years? No, I, I wouldn't because I happen to be pretty concerned about uh, um, uh, about the inflation side of things. Uh-huh. So even though it's, it, it sounds better, you're saying five years from now, three and a half percent is going to look pretty low. Yeah, exa- exactly. And you you know you lose the flexibility, um, and and I think that that's a that's a real uh, right now that's a real issue. I think that flexibility might come in handy. Do you suggest a laddering strategy where you do some short, some medium, some long? Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea to I think that's a very good way especially if you can sort of game out um what your needs are sort of over over time um uh you know because because and and I think the only reason is is that because that sort of yield curve um is so steep is that yeah, it does make sense to have some component that's out there, but I would I would probably be cheating, if you will, toward the shorter end of that ladder, as it were. Again, that's really driven by, by you know, the outlook for it. And not going out too much because of the, the risk of inflation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman, The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Richard Barrington, uh, who's the spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. Lots of really good information here on how to have your money earn a higher rate of return without too much risk. And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you 
ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Corrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Corrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Duglin. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Richard Barrington, who's the spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thank you. In making these uh, decisions on how to allocate your money and how long to allocate it for, uh, the big uh, conundrum is whether we're in an inflationary or deflationary period. So let's take them uh, one at a time. Some people would argue we're in a long-term deflationary trend. Uh, We have real estate prices that have, I think, crashed is the right word. They've come down really dramatically and don't seem like they're going to turn around anytime soon. Uh, You've got prices of electronics falling, uh, cars, appliances, uh, prices of, of many, many assets around the world are falling uh, pretty dramatically as the debt implosion really happens. This huge amount of debt that was taken on is now kind of collapsing, and you're seeing defaults and so on. Um, so why should we just not pretty much bet on uh, deflation as the majority uh, trend that people should be investing around? Okay. Well, and, and again, yeah, this has been an active debate, and, and, and really you can imagine uh, sort of a gauge called a ferrometer that measures what economists are afraid of. And on that ferrometer, the needle has been swinging from inflation on one side to deflation and, and, and back again um, over the past several several months. Lately, it seems in the markets, and, and especially if, if last Thursday is any indication, um, and, and, and actually it's continued with the price of oil falling again today, um, the ferrometer has sort of swung back to the deflation side. Um, but, but personally, I remain more concerned about in, in inflation 
Um, and, and I should say, you know, parenthetically, that the inflation versus deflation discussion, it reminds me of that Robert Frost poem, Fire and Ice. Um, you know, some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. And, and Robert Frost's conclusion is that when it came to destruction, either one would suffice. Um, so like fire and, and, and ice, both inflation and deflation can be very harmful. But I don't think of them as mirror images. I think of deflation as more of a symptom than a cause of economic trouble. Um, deflation is typically associated with an economy that is so slow that everyone has to cut their prices in, in order to sell anything. Um, and isn't that what we're in? I mean, you see that all over the place right now. Yeah, you do. And, 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 and my only point there is that, you know, deflation itself, prices going down itself, okay, in and of itself, um, you know, that's not a bad thing. Um, for example, we didn't have deflation, but we had very, very low inflation through most of the 1990s, and that was driven to a large extent by productivity advances. And so if you get, you know, if you get you know, falling prices or, or at least, you know, stable prices because of productivity advan- advancements. That's a good thing. If you get it simply because you've got this more abundant economy, okay, that's a bad thing. But in that case, again, deflation is more of a uh, symptom of a greater ill, which is a, which is a weak economy. Inflation, on the other hand, is more of a force in its own right. It can take on a momentum of its own. And when you think of it, it's a more natural state of affairs um, for people to somewhere along the lines, even if they're not forced to, but to try at least to rise their, raise their prices. Um, but inflation can get very damaging when it gets out of, out of hand. Um, and so despite, and everything you've said is very accurate, and there's been a lot in particular of asset deflation um, or asset price declines um, over the past few years. But if, even if you're that, a believer that that's going to continue, I'm going to take both sides here. Okay. If you're in the deflationary camp, which yeah. seems, people seem to be kind of moving towards, how would you allocate your money uh, to protect? I mean, if, if you're keeping even, it actually rises in value since the value of money is right. is rising uh, when, when prices are falling. Yeah, how I, would you allocate your money to protect yourself against deflation? If I were in deflation uh, in, in the deflation camp, I would I would say that that um, uh, long bonds especially very high-quality U.S. US government long bonds, would be the way to go. Um, Because, you know, those 3 or 4% yields that they have um, right now uh, all of a sudden start to look more like, you know, 5 6% yields um, if if you get deflation. So, and (coughs) the, the point of specifying long bonds is that you would, in that situation, um, want to lock up what might, in the future, seem like high interest rates. Okay, if deflation came about, um, you want to lock that up for as long as possible. Okay. And how about well, the banking space, as far as CDs and so on? I'm sorry. In the banking area, what would you do if you, you were worried about deflation? Similarly, I would I would want to uh, lock up for as long as possible. So I would I would find the the uh, uh, longest-term CD I could, um, and you know, which would be offering the attra- most attractive rate right now. But the real value to me, if I believe deflation was, was going to come about, would be that uh, I'd be locking in a rate now that 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 is that would be in a deflation scenario a lot lower um, going forward. 
Well, obviously, in a deflation scenario, interest rates would fall, and so anything you could do to lock up today's interest rates would be a good thing. How much lower can they go since the Federal Reserve is basically at zero today? Yeah, it's important. Um, that's a good point, and it's important when we talk about interest rates um, to use sort of a broad definition. And, and right now, uh, you know, especially when I talk about bonds, I'm really talking about more bond market interest rates or, or yields on bonds or yields on CDs. So once you, and, and that, this goes back to what I referred to earlier about the, um, the yield curve being fairly steep, especially on the very short end, those very short-term rates, you know, sort of in the, the um, one-year or less space, um, are extremely short right now. Um, but they, you know, quickly start to, to, to get, get higher. Um, and you see that, that again, in the in bond market yields. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's quite a, a steep jump between, say, a, a six-month bond and, a, um, uh, say, a 10-year. Okay. Uh, some people are saying that the Fed is actually encouraging deflation by buying literally hundreds of billions of dollars worth of treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities to keep long-term rates much lower than they would be otherwise. Do you think that's been an effective move, and are they going to keep doing it? No, I, 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 I mean, they, I don't think they're encouraging deflation. I think what they are doing, and, and I think you know, very overtly they're doing this, is, is um, they are, um, uh, they are um, encouraging low interest rates to try and stimulate the economy. Now, when you sort of game that out, you, you, you sort of say, well, they're trying to stimulate the, the economy. In the long run, it might prove to be an inflationary rather than a deflationary move. It, it's not, in other words, it's not falling prices that they want per se, but what they do want to do everything to keep interest rates low. And, you know, they've already, again, they've moved that Fed fund rate as, as low as it can go, but they've realized that they have to do more to intervene in the longer-term markets because mortgages, for example, have more in common with, say, a, a, a long-term bond than they do with, with, you know, the overnight Fed rate. Yeah. All right, so now let's switch to the other side of the ledger, which is uh, concerns about inflation. Yes. So, so the argument there would be, uh, yes, prices may be falling now, but we're setting the seeds for inflation, if not hyperinflation, uh, with the amount of money that the Federal Reserve is printing, with the amount of money we're borrowing, mm-hmm. not only domestically but globally, uh, that governments around the world have had stimulus programs pretty much debt-financed um, and financed by printing euros and yen and just about every other currency out there. And we're setting the stage for a really hyperinflationary uh, time that you, you couldn't turn the clock back once the thing got going. Is that the camp you were in more? Yeah, I, I, I am more concerned about um, uh, in, inflation um, and if not hyperinflation, then certainly something, you know, more like the 1970s where, where it's certainly, you know, high inflation and, and, and it's tough to, you know, it's kind of tough to put that genie back in the bottle once it, get, once it gets out. And, and I think there are several reasons to be concerned about um, in, inflation. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, first of all, you can start with history. Um, history uh, the history of inflation shows us how unusual deflation is, and that itself should be uh, a caution. Okay, um, this is this is not a normal state of affairs. Okay, but beyond simple historical precedent, look at what's happened with the with the price of oil. Um, because of its extreme moves in recent years, oil has been something of the bell cow for inflation. Where it goes, the rest of prices seem to follow. 
And the price of oil fell some 70% over the second half of 2008. But now it's up nearly 80% so far this year. Um, that's going to put us upward pressure on, on other prices, just as it did the last time oil and gas were, were soaring. Um, and significantly, you know, when we talk about inflate, or sorry, deflation over the past 12 months, pretty much all the actual deflationary months were in the latter half of 2008 when oil prices were still declining. So sometimes these year-over-year numbers, while obviously they're, they're more meaningful than just trying to look at one month in isolation, but sometimes the year-over-year numbers can be a little bit deceptive because they make it seem like a trend is just now emerging, but the bulk of that trend may have occurred in the early part of the 12-month period. And that's the case with, with deflation because most of that deflation really occurred in the latter half of 2008 when oil prices were, were falling. Now, some would say that oil prices have been going up uh, not really because of supply-demand having changed that much, but because of fear of inflation, fear of devaluation of the U.S. currency with oil deficits. Is that the bigger impact as to why oil prices have gone up 80%? Yeah, I think I, I think um, uh, I think it's I think it's a factor. I think part of this was just sort of you know oil is kind of finding its its level, and and you know 140 bucks was too high, and and 35 bucks was too low, um, and it's and it's sort of you know finding its, its, its natural level. Um, but pressure on the dollar is also a, a huge huge inflationary concern. Um, just and and that is manifested because oil is traded in dollars. Um, you know, rising oil, sometimes it looks like the oil price is rising and actually, you know, part of what's going on is it's actually the dollar fall, falling. Um, and over the past four months, the dollar has lost about 11% compared to the euro. And looking longer term, I think it's food for thought that three out of the four BRIC countries have called for a global currency alternative to the U.S. Um, that acronym BRIC stands for Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And they fall into a unique global economic category because they're too big to be talked about like the typical emerging markets, but they're not as stable as the traditional developed economies. In, in any event, BRIC countries are forced to be reckoned with. In, in aggregate, they represent a population of about 2.8 billion people, um, or nearly 10 times the population of this country. And at various times, three out of four of those countries, they each one except for India, um, has made statements about wanting to find a global currency alternative to the dollar. Um, and, you know, that has a lot to do with the amount of debt that we're, we're running up. And those statements haven't gotten a lot of attention over here. It's like no one can seriously imagine the dollar not being the world's dominant currency, but I, but I don't know about that. You know, we don't want to take the dominance of the dollar for granted. We, we took our auto industry for granted, and look what happened. What do you think could be a... If they want to go ahead with this, what kind of a alternative would there be to that? A basket of currencies somehow? I can go back to the that's, gold standard. That, that's exactly right. Um, I, I think a, a basket of currencies, but it might be it might be a basket of currencies and commodities because it, again, oil has you know oil almost does act like a like a sort of surrogate currency. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Richard Barrington, who's spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. And we'll be back after this.
markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Richard Barrington, spokesperson for MoneyRates.com. Welcome back, Richard. Thank you. We've gone through the inflationary uh, kind of potential here. If you were to believe that, which sounds like you do, uh, how would you allocate your money uh, and various investments, including uh, bank-oriented uh, investments. Yeah, I would, you know, basically stay short and stay flexible, um, uh, because what you would have in an inflationary environment is rapidly rising interest rates, and you would want uh, interest rates that were free to float upward with the rising uh, rate of, of in- inflation. Um, interestingly, when we had our last bout of uh, uh, inflation, you know, say from the late 60s to the early 80s, uh, cash um, investments, in other words, very short-term investments, outperformed both stocks and bonds. And so how about gold as part of the portfolio? Yeah, gold um, is, uh, you know, gold is, is, is always kind of uh, the, the default inflation hedge that, that people talk about. My concern with gold, or really any other commodity, is that 
you have to ask what price you're paying for it. Has it already been bid up in advance of the inflation on the strength of speculation about that inflation? For example, um, gold is up something like 220% this decade already. So you, know, you have to ask how much inflation do, do people think we're going to get. And the real problem with gold um, is as opposed to, say, a stock or a bond. A stock is earning, is, has earnings. A bond is earning interest. Um, gold isn't producing anything. And so if that inflation fever cools, you've basically got a non-productive asset. And so gold, for example, was dead money pretty much from the early 1980s um, to the earlier part of this decade um, when that sort of inflation um, uh, fever broke. Um, so you see what I'm saying is, is that it can be a lo- an unproductive asset and, and uh, not something you want to get caught in for a long time. But you would want some, if you're more worried about inflation than deflation, you would want some gold in your portfolio, is that correct? If, as, as part of a very diversified portfolio, um, yes, there's room for gold, but I would say commodities in general because you, you don't always know what kind of inflation you're going to get. Inflation can infect some kind of commodities and sort of squeeze out other kinds of commodities. Um, but as a central part of a, of a financial strategy or as something that I would assume would be an inflation hedge, uh, no, I wouldn't be that enamored of gold. So let's talk about uh, the, the reason that people are worried about all this inflation is the huge amount of debt being taken on by the U.S. government, but governments around the world, uh, the huge amount of money that's being printed by central banks around the world, um, is this something that, that worries you, and could there be a, an end to this where, where people are not willing to accept those dollars anymore or, or lend money to these institutions? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you go back to um, the early 1980s, there was a, a sort of market force that they referred to as the bond vigilantes, and basically people voted with their feet and would no longer buy uh, U.S. government bonds until the yields were, high, were up in the high teens. That's the kind of pushback that markets eventually uh, uh, give to this kind of thing. And you are starting to see a consensus for deficit reduction uh, building. Um, For example, recent polls suggest that most Americans think it would have been better to uh, reduce the deficit than to to bail out the automakers. And President Obama is is starting to make fiscal responsibility a consistent theme, but (coughs) that's just talk right now. Um, for the time being, he's been dealt kind of a, t- a tough hand. Um, it's not just that, you know, we're, we're obviously committed to the, the, the huge fiscal stimulus that, that's in place now, but we as a country kind of broke a cardinal rule of fiscal responsibility by growing deficits during the last economic expansion. Um, you know, on paper, the years 2002 through 2007 were years of economic expansion, Yet the federal budget deficit averaged over four, or about $449 billion during that period. To put that in perspective, prior to 2002, the deficit had never once exceeded $400 billion. So, you know, we're looking at trying to re- uh, reverse um, a trend and do it under very adverse circumstances. Interestingly, just touching back on the inflation side of it, you know, you could argue that the government might not be averse to a certain amount of inflation because the U.S. government is in the same position as many of its citizens. It's got a boatload of debt. Inflation can devalue your existing debt. Um, so if you can do that without inflation getting too far 
um, out of control um, to where inflation chokes off uh, economic uh, growth. Um, you know, it is a way of effectively reducing the amount that you owe. This is, in fact, monetizing the debt, as I would call it, right? Yeah. But, but what people would say that the, the, uh, investors have wised up to that. And yeah, and, and, and one of the risks is that you lose your credibility, and especially going back to my concerns about the, the, the BRIC nations, um, is that in this global marketplace, um, we have to be very concerned about our credibility as, as, um, as a nation, both in terms of issuing um, bonds and uh, in terms of our currency. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly an interesting situation for investors, that's for sure. We, we've gone through the inflationary possibilities, the deflationary possibilities, and asset allocations. So you've got to kind of hedge your bets in all these different areas, I guess, is kind of what it comes down to. Yep. Well, thanks so much, Richard. Uh, again, people can take a look at your website, moneyrates.com, to see what rates are out there in the banking sector, and, and there are some good possibilities if you go uh, shopping for them. So thanks again very much for being on the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thanks again, listeners, and we'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.